Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, we're going to talk about understanding RNG projects, which are renewable natural gas projects, and who needs to be involved. And also, everybody looks at the dollars and cents and the return on investments. We'll get into the economics of the project as well. I think many of you are aware now that a number of renewable natural gas projects are in the works. Dairy farms, their manure, and digesters really are poised to play a big role in the future of renewable energy here in the U.S. Now, RNG projects, which again are renewable natural gas projects, also have the potential to provide a reliable new revenue stream for dairy farms. And we really want to dive into that with all the details. And that's why we brought in two people that are well-versed on this subject. The first is Ryan Dolsky. He is the chief financial officer for Pagel Family Businesses. Uh, he has a background in commodities, risk management, and sustainability. And uh, Brian is also involved in the first virtual pipeline RNG project in the country where biomethane is compressed and then trucked into pipeline interconnects. He's also leading Pagos family businesses toward achieving net zero status. And we're going to focus a little more on that a little bit later on in the conversation. But we also want to say hello to Greg Steele. He's the senior dairy lending specialist with Compere Financial. Uh, his focus is working with commercial dairy operations that have really grown and expanded their businesses. And uh, Greg's responsibilities include providing expertise in finance, business planning, and accounting. So now we got their whole pedigree behind us. Let's get into the facts and figures. I'm going to start with you, Brian. Maybe you can kind of give us an overview of RNG projects, kind of taking us through the evolution of anaerobic digesters all the way through renewable natural gas. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so really there's there's two types uh, I would categorize of renewable natural gas projects from manure digesters. One is what we have here at Pagels, which were legacy digesters that were used to generate electricity. You know, 10, 12 years ago, there were attractive electric rates that we had a long-term power purchase agreement. Those have since expired, and that subsidy and a lot of places is no longer available. So a new market has emerged for the digester biogas, and that's to be used as transportation fuel in a compressed natural gas vehicle. So our two projects, our digester projects, were uh, basically the gas that used to just get burned through a, a gen set to make electricity. Uh, it is now run through what we call a gas cleanup facility. So basically it scrubs out all the impurities in the biogas, mainly CO2, but there's a little bit of H2S and other other gases that need to be scrubbed out so that it's 99% CH4 or 99% methane, that it's pipeline quality, that it could be injected into a pipeline and here at Pagels, you mentioned we're the, one of the first virtual pipeline projects. Here, we actually inject that purified biomethane into a semi-truck that has a bunch of, uh, the trailer is packed full of tubes and these 24-inch cylinders hold that compressed biomethane and it gets trucked down the road and decompressed and injected into an interstate pipeline where it will get sold as transportation fuel. The other type of project I would just say would just be a 
a, a new build or a conventional direct inject system where the digester, the, the gas cleanup plant, and the pipeline are all co-located right next to each other. And when that gas gets coming off the digester, gets purified and compressed, it goes directly into the pipeline and, and we skip out uh, that part of the process of utilizing the truck. Yeah, well, thank you for such a thorough explanation and a uh, tip of the hat to you and everyone involved at Pagos Family Businesses for, you know, being such entrepreneurs and thinking outside the box. And that's what today's focus is really on Dairy Stream, although we're trying to make this a little bit more mainstream as we give you more details and opportunities for your own operation. Uh, Greg and Brian, if you want to add the, to this question, you can certainly do that as well. But Greg, what is the business structure of a renewable natural gas project and really who are the kind of key players you need to start the project? Mike, well, I'll break it into three buckets. I'll call it the development company model where the development company provides all the capital and owns all the equipment and they create a manure supply agreement with the dairy that has certain specifications and requirements and expectations. And then uh, in exchange for that, there's a payment that the dairy receives and probably the other thing involved in that is because the, the development company owns all the equipment and it's placed on the dairy, there's a, a ground lease involved in that as well. But uh, that, that's, that's been fairly common uh, throughout the Midwest here as, as one of the models. The other one, uh, or the next one I should say, would be more of a partnership uh, model where the dairy farm and the development company, the energy development company, form a partnership and the digester and the biogas upgrade plant, which is produces the RNG or cleans up the methane to become uh, renewable natural gas, is put into a, a partnership. And that can be 50-50, 40-60. It all depends on you know, uh, who owns what and uh, who puts how much capital in and some of those specifics. But that one, um, there, there could be a little bit more economic benefit to the dairy. There's also more risk to the dairy in that approach, but I'll, let's just call that the partnership model. And then the other one would be where the dairy actually, if you will, makes all the investment and has all the risk. And so they own the entire project. Those are less common. There are some out there, but you really have to pull together quite a team to put that together. These projects can be very expensive. I, I hate to throw out numbers, but the reality of it is it would not be unusual for these to be, depending on the size of the dairy, between $10 million and $20 million, somewhere in between, or again, depending on the size of that. So it, that's why the own, owning the entire project is, is, is not as common. I think the follow-up question you had for me, Mike, was uh, who's needed to kind of get the discussion off the ground? Correct. Um, You know, you certainly want to include your lender in that discussion because they can provide some additional resources for you. It's it's not the lender's uh, responsibility to completely validate this, but they can certainly uh, provide some perspective on it. I would say a third-party financial consultant would be a, a highly recommended who can validate and determine the reliability of the 
of the revenue and cost projections. And once there's a comfort level with the ability for the project to be viable, um, you, you probably at that point in time would start to work with a environmental attorney that has experience in renewable natural gas projects to help put agreements together. And de- depending on which model you go with would depend on how big this team would be and how much, uh, how many resources have to be involved. That is the voice of Greg Steele. He's the Senior Dairy Lending Specialist with Compure Financial. And also with us, Brian Dolsky. He's the Chief Financial Officer for Pago Family Businesses. You're listening to Dairy Stream, and we're focusing in on RNG projects. And there certainly is one on the Pago Family Business that we're going to highlight. And we're going to get to Brian on that in a second. But, Greg, uh, while you were explaining the different uh, models that are available, you did mention a couple of key words, obviously, one dealing with economics, the other dealing with risk. So can you tell us from your perspective what you see as some of the common challenges that a farmer would face if they want to head this direction? Sure, Mike. Um, I, I think probably the first one is just the size of their business. Is it large enough that it could uh, support a developer making the investment or them becoming involved in an investment? And if they don't have adequate size, enough cows, it was what it comes down to. Are they in a neighborhood or where they can partner with another dairy? Um, that Those are considerations and those are projects that have been pursued. I, I would say uh, proven ex- experienced developer and a proven and experienced technology and equipment rank pretty high. I already mentioned validation of the revenue and cost projection, and then probably the capital source for the developer. If they don't have a strong enough balance sheet or access to capital, projects uh, get sideways pretty quick. And Brian, we're kind of focusing in on the renewable natural gas and uh, actually what you're doing. So you're kind of our model. Uh, From your perspective, what challenges have you faced? Yeah, I think for us at Pagels, I would kind of put our challenges, I would rank them as uh, our top three were just being first, obviously, is, is a challenge in and of itself when you're doing anything. But for us here, being, if not the first, one of the first virtual pipeline projects created a lot of just unknowns that were a, a lot of trial and error to try and figure out. So that was definitely a challenge. A virtual pipeline project, just in general, comparing, like I had talked about, the two different types of projects just adds another layer of complexity versus um, a project where you have that pipeline nearby that you can direct and to introducing trucks and and dealing with just all the logistical issues that go into injecting gas into a trailer and and shipping it down the road was and still is a big challenge. Uh, And then I would say thirdly is bolting on to an existing digester and RNG cleanup facility versus a new greenfield site where you can, from the design build phase, more integrate the two into just one holistic project. Having to bolt on to an existing digester creates additional challenges as well. And Brian, I just want to give a follow-up here because you mentioned the first challenge is that you were first. And when you look at any industry, any endeavor, any project, you know, those that are first, I I kind of admire because of the unknown and what's ahead of you and some of those challenges that come along as the project continues. So I guess I'm going to, I'd be a little remiss if I didn't ask the question, maybe a lot of the listeners might be wondering, and that is why, why in the first place did Pago family businesses feel this was a direction to go? 
so I've been with Pagels for two years, but I, I know just um, from the history of just always being on the forefront of what's next and what's what's up and coming and just being a leader for the industry when it comes to sustainable efforts and, and cleaning up the image of the industry has always been at the top of our list. So so that hasn't scared us off from being first and, and it won't going forward as we look at other things like nutrient recovery as well. Well, again, I commend you for your efforts and wish you a lot of luck as the project continues to progress. Um, I want to get down to, Greg, something we discussed in a previous uh, dairy stream, and that was a podcast in which we shared the economic value of nutrients provided by lactating cows. Uh, I know prior to going on, we you kind of said there's not a lot of uh, nutrient management opportunities uh, through the RNG itself, but what about from the digester? What are the nutrient manager opportunities? there. Well, Mike, I think uh, it, it's an evolving area, but being able to recover nutrients from the digested manure is it's commercially available now. It's yet to be seen exactly how, uh, what, where the economics benefit are going to be, but I, we're moving that direction. It'll tie really closely to the nutrient trading credit initiative by the uh, state of Wisconsin if, it, if that comes about. Mm-hmm. But in a nutshell, it allows you to concentrate the new uh, phosphorus, uh, place the phosphorus where it needs to be, and irrigate what they call tea water, but water that has significantly less nutrients on that still would be beneficial to the crop. So that's what I would see as one one of the opportunities that a digester RNG product would allow from a nutrient management perspective. Go ahead, Brian. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, for us at at Pagels, the the digester uh, does allow us uh, that the pathogen pathogen reduction from the digester enables us to to spread on acres where undigested manure might not have been allowed. And it also allows us to increase our application rate per acre. So, uh, so that's a big, that's a big step for us. But then, yeah, just to elaborate on what Greg was talking about with, with nutrient recovery, the having the digester on the front end greatly improves the, um, the efficiency of a nutrient recovery system uh, to isolate the, isolate the phosphorus and to dewater. And it's, I don't want to say essential, but it really improves the, the performance of, of those, those systems. Well, thank you both for your input. That's Brian Dulski that you just heard talking. He's the chief financial officer for Pago Family Businesses. And Greg Steele, who's the senior dairy lending specialist with Compere Financial, also is with us. Uh, As I mentioned, we're going to get into the economic aspect of an RNG project in the second half of our Dairy Stream podcast. But before we take a break, gentlemen, I just want to ask this question of both of you. And maybe, Greg, you can start out. Uh, What are the key questions a farmer should be asking? before they sign on the dotted line? Well, I think one of the key ones, and it can be a little difficult uh, at the moment, but it's really how many projects have they developed and can I talk to a dairy farm partner that is one of your farms? And the reason I say that is there's a, a lot of development companies approaching dairies across Wisconsin, across the Midwest, and across the country. And some of them, do not have projects off the drawing board. They're putting together a uh, 
business opportunity based on the low carbon fuel standard tax credit in California that really drives the revenue side of this and are anxious to sign farms up into the program. And so that, that's one of the keys is, is really being able to touch and feel an existing project. The other one is uh, would be uh, what, what's the termination clause? I mean, uh, how do I sell my dairy, transition my dairy, uh, expand my dairy down the road? Um, and, and how would a contract with a renewable developer impact that? And I, I, probably the next one I would say is what the source of capital is for the renewable partner and if the dairy farm can participate in providing some of that capital, which would give them more opportunity to get a return. Yeah, I think those are all good. I would just maybe just add one one note would be if they were going to the dairy farmer did want to try going it alone, just some of the key check boxes would just be, you know, finding someone to market the gas across the pipeline for you, finding someone to use the gas as a vehicle fuel in um, California, preferably, and just finding folks out there. There there are lots of qualified vendors that can provide that service, but just asking a lot of questions to understand how that value chain gets connected and, and yeah, just developing relationships with those partners to, to connect that value chain if you decide to go that that road of going it alone, so to speak. Well, thank you both, gentlemen. I think we now have a better understanding of RNG projects and really who needs to be involved. Of course, a lot of people wondering about the economics of these projects, and that's something we'll share after the break. I'm Mike Austin for Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Compere Financial is the leading financial service provider for agriculture and rural communities. We serve the needs of farmers and neighbors with local offices in Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. To learn more, visit Compere.com or contact us at 844-426-6733. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Well, Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. I'm your host, Mike Austin. And today, an interesting topic on Dairy Stream, one that I think not all of us are as well-versed as we'd like to be, but it's something that uh, a lot of, uh, I think, producers are thinking, yeah, this might be an option that really fits into my goals and my vision for my own operation. And we opened up talking about renewable natural gas projects and really kind of getting an understanding of what they are and who needs to be involved. And now we want to get into the dollars and cents and maybe even a little ROI on what the economics of these projects are. The two guests we have today that have been helping us out are Brian Dulski is the chief financial officer for Pago Family Businesses and also Greg Steele. He is a senior dairy lending specialist with Compere Financial. And Greg, I want to start with you because I know this is a common question that our listeners are having. You know, how big does a dairy farm really need to be if they're going to make an RNG project realistic? Because are they size friendly? Uh, the answer is that depends, Mike. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we know that large commercial dairies, 5,000 to 10,000 cows, they obviously work at, on this level. You know, those aren't real common across the landscape in the upper Midwest. You know, there are a few of those. However, there's a lot of dairies in 1,000 to 3,000 range. And that's as technology continues to evolve, there appears to be opportunities 
for a notch down in the size of dairy. We're currently evaluating a couple projects, trying to determine if they're feasible, that are 2,500 to 3,500 cows. So we feel comfortable that that's going to be able to be proven out. Once you get below that level, unless there's new technology opportunities, today I I don't think it exists to participate unless you're able to partner with a neighboring dairy and can get up to that three, 4,000 cow threshold that's needed. Yeah, I just wanted to do a follow-up on that, Greg. I mean, do you see down the road possibly maybe a, a cooperative effort or you know multi-partnerships for smaller operations working together to make this work? That's a good question, uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. There's been a few of those that have gotten off the drawing board and they've been a little bumpy, which is to be expected. You know, again, I think as the industry and both the renewable natural gas industry and the dairy industry get more experience with these projects, technology improves. There's more, I think Brian referred to this before, injection sites that make it more feasible. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that that limits opportunities is if you have to travel 100, 200 miles with truckloads of gas, you know, you're kind of defeating the purpose because you're burning a fossil fuel gas to get to uh, an injection site. So that really uh, works against the dairy. That's what I was going to add was that I would I would take a 3,000 cow dairy sitting on a pipeline versus a 6,000 cow dairy that's 100 miles from a pipeline. So so really geographic location really plays a big part in, in the fixed costs of the project. Good. Well, thank you both for your uh, insights there. And Brian, as long as I got you on the line, I want to talk about something that was brought up in the first half of our Dairy Stream podcast. And that what are RNG credits as far as the markets and are there any that you'd actually recommend? Yeah, so there, there's there's really two types of credits. First would be a federal credit uh, that's called the uh, the RIN, or which is a renewable identification number. It's under the, the RFS, Renewable Fuel Standard Program. The value of that credit is, is around $17 in MMBTU. I, last I checked, and uh, that may be a dated number. but So there's a federal credit that's available for anyone, any projects across the country that sell digester CNG as transportation fuel. There's also state credits, the biggest being California's uh, low carbon fuel standard program. The, the value of that credit greatly outweighs the, the federal credit. However, there is kind of a a limited time horizon on being able to capture that extremely lucrative value for that California credit. However, there are other state states that are considering rolling out a, a low carbon fuel standard of their own. So hopefully that trend will continue. That's the voice of Brian Dolsky, is the chief financial officer for Pago Family Businesses. And also on hand is Greg Steele. He's the senior dairy lending specialist with Compere Financial. And uh, Greg, and, and really Brian, I'd like you to add on this if you could as well. We'll start with you though, Greg. What recommendations do you really have when you talk about structuring RNG deals between farms and those who really want to purchase the gas? Well, I'm going to make an assumption that we're talking about a partnership model. Uh, okay. Because that, that's the one that's kind of evolving a bit because it involves the operating agreement between the dairy farm and the developer, which obviously critical that that really incorporates a lot of different aspects into, if you will, the rules of the road of that partnership. And Brian will speak to this too, but the offtake agreement is critical. That, that is the really, really important 
arrangement and uh, making sure that is fully understood by the dairy farm would be really important. And it goes back to an earlier point I made about having a legal counsel that's experienced in environmental and renewable gas projects. There, there could be various other agreements depending on the, uh, the dairy itself. It, uh, you know, the, uh, in the event you were in a developer model, the manure supply agreement is very important so that the developer doesn't mandate certain dairy production practices to, that would be detrimental to the dairy, but enhanced gas production probably won't happen. But those are some of the things that having ex- an experienced team working with the dairy farm will help them avoid. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I mean, for for us, for any dairyman, that's, I mean, you just have to have an understanding of what your risk appetite is for this commodity. Because I had one fellow reach out to me and ask some questions, and I gave the analogy. It's the spot price for these for these credits is is extreme right now. It's almost like, you know, think about it as like getting paid thirty dollars for your milk. But if you try to lock in that price for a period of years, the forward market is only offering you sixteen or seventeen dollars. So if you want the certainty on the price of this of your of the RNG over a long term, you're gonna take a huge haircut relative to the spot value. So it really is a give and take on what your risk appetite is and where you fall on that spectrum. I think that gives us a good visual picture of what we're looking at with that. So thanks for your insights to both of you on that. We are talking about uh, renewable natural gas projects here on Dairy Stream. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, sustainability. Obviously, there is, you know, the environmental impact this is having and you look at that aspect whenever you create a project but i'm sure people that are listening are asking about uh, dollars and cents as well so i'll start with you brian and then greg if you'd like to add that'd be great but you know really where is the money made and over what time frame when we're talking about projects like this the federal credit is is worth you know i tried to i always try to just dilute things down to a per cow per year basis and the value that i put on the federal credit if a, if a cow generates 20 mmbtus per year and the and the federal credits were 17 dollars an mmbtu that's about 340 dollars per cow per year the lcfs credit if a cow generates and again this can fluctuate depending on the the manure management system in place at the dairy but four four metric tons or four lcfs credits per cow at 200 dollars a metric ton that's 800 dollars per cow per year the gas itself three dollars uh, an mmbtu so that's an extra sixty dollars there so you're talking about twelve hundred dollars per cow per year However, like Greg and I had talked about in the beginning, there are a lot of players involved on the development side, on the operation side to monetize these credits, generate these credits, sell these, sell that fuel as CNG. Uh, so there's a lot of folks that share in that in that $1,200 per cow per year pie. But the more active role that the dairy takes in this project will dictate what their share will be of that pie. Yeah, the only thing I would add, Mike, just for uh, to help paint the picture a little bit, these credits are driven by what's called a CI score. And the CI score, in layman's term, is the measure of greenhouse gas emissions, emissions associated with producing and consuming fuel. So that's one of the things early in these projects that have to be identified. And at the end of the day, the level that CI score is directly correlated with the revenue generated, essentially. 
All right. Well, thank you both for that. I think that kind of clarified a little bit what we're looking at and a little bit about how much time we're going to be investing before we're seeing any kind of returns on that investment. Uh, Greg, I want to stay with you for a moment. Uh, are there any additional revenue streams that really stem from natural gas project areas? Uh, you know, and if so, can you give us some examples? I'm going to just tweak your question a little bit and uh, make it just a little more broad in regards to methane digester projects. Sure, that's fine. I made a comment before about size and the minimum threshold for renewable natural gas projects. There may be opportunities as the low carbon fuel economy evolves that smaller dairies uh, justify a methane digester and there may be a credit for them uh, where that's generated into electricity rather than just selling the electricity and get paid for it, they'd actually get a, a, a renewable credit similar to the low carbon fuel tax credit or similar to the D3 credit, which is a biofuel credit that could uh, be a revenue stream form. Keep your eye on it. Uh, we kind of think that's evolving and the uh, framework is already in uh, legislation to kind of move that ahead. So uh, that that is certainly one opportunity. There are uh, solar projects that sometime are incorporated into renewable gas projects. The, one of the main reasons is, is that it's pretty, these projects are pretty uh, big draw on both natural gas and electricity. So the ability to offset some of that by producing some of your own electricity, again, can en- enhance the revenue. Okay, before you add to that, uh, Brian, I just want to go back, Greg, when you're talking about smaller operations, I mean, we have our own perception of what that is and what kind of numbers are you talking about there? Well, let's say 500 to 1,000 cows. And for that to happen, Mike, there has to be a bit of a step forward in technology uh, mm-hmm. on uh, affordability and methane digesters. But if you if you look uh, to our neighbors to the east and in, in Europe, there's uh, many digesters across Western Europe. A lot of them are in dairies from, you know, 200 to 500 cows. So, you know, and there are different programs that maybe make that feasible over there. I I can't predict what's going to happen, but if that were to come to fruition, it's going to move the opportunity from a size standpoint for more dairies to participate. And Brian, do you have anything else to add on, you know, additional revenue streams through the RNG projects? Just reiterate that it it does help improve the efficiency of a nutrient recovery system, having that digester on the front end. And and also an additional benefit, as Greg was talking about, you know, the CI score that California gives each project and how much that does impact the value of the gas produced from that digester is that having a nutrient recovery system in place could could improve your CI score and make the the gas that you're producing from your digester more valuable. So it, it, it opens more doors in that regard as well. That is Brian Dulski is the chief financial officer for Pago's Family Businesses, along with Greg Steele, the senior dairy lending specialist with Compere Financial. They've been giving us some good insights and better understanding renewable natural gas uh, projects and also the economics of the projects. And the whole thing is pretty amazing, and I find it really intriguing. But this uh, point, Brian, I think you're really deserve some commendations. I think a lot of people would like to hear more about that because you're helping to lead Pagel's family businesses toward achieving net zero status. So can you kind of give us an update on that and maybe even some motivation to farmers pursuing a similar goal? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, like I said, I mean, we've at Pagels here, we've had the digesters in place for over 10 years now, and and the CNG or the RNG plant has been operating for almost two years now. We we are uh, we've we've made it a mission of ours to to get to net zero. Uh, we think it's doable within five years for us. Uh, we're working closely with Caleb Harper and the Net Zero Initiative to just basically help us get an understanding of where our carbon footprint, uh, w- one, what it looks like, and then two, uh, what do we do to, to address it or rectify it? And, you know, the four categories that uh, they've laid out, uh, feed production, we're doing a lot of no-till and cover crops already. We're doing more and more every year manure management obviously with the digester and the RNG plant and then also adding nutrient recovery I would say that's probably something we're going to move forward with by the end of the year those are the two big ones and then also there's enteric emissions and energy consumption on the dairy which we're just still trying to get our arms around but we're very much in the camp that this is inevitable and the sooner we get on board with it the better off we're going to be. And what about to somebody else that's maybe not at the same stage you are in this process, but want that uh, net zero status as the goal for their farm? What would you say to kind of motivate them to tell them, yeah, sometimes there's struggles, but the end result is worth it? Yeah, I would just say we're we're more right now. We're very much in the uh, like the blueprint, like blank sheet of paper. At least I mean, it, I listed off a lot of stuff we're doing, but there's still just in terms of doing life cycle analysis and everything and just understanding what that blueprint looks like. Um, it's going to take, it will take a lot, it will take time. And it, this isn't going to be something that I think if it's properly rolled out is, is not going to be a huge burden to the industry. I think it's going to be a very, very positive and, and I, I would embrace it. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be very good for the industry. Well, again, I commend you, Brian. I know, as you mentioned earlier, you've only been involved with the Pago family businesses for about two years, but I know already your footprint is on the success of their business and the goals and opportunities they're looking at. So I commend you for everything you, you've done for the business. And uh, Greg, uh, tip of the hat to you as well and the work you've done in helping focused commercial dairy operations on growth and expanding their businesses. So I want to close off our interview and our podcast for today by asking you, what would your advice be to farmers who are kind of looking into alternative manure revenue streams? What would you say to that group? Yeah, I think there's a, the first call you probably should make is to Nutrient LLC. And this is a, a uh, partnership between uh, 12 Dairy Cooperatives, Dairy Management Inc., and National Milk Producers Federation. And they're really designed, they have uh, expertise in renewable natural gas projects, whether you're going the renewable natural gas route with a digester or whether you're going uh, cogeneration and, and power uh, generation. So they have experience with both. But they're really designed to partner with dairy farms, technology companies, and developers so the dairy operation can make very good informed decisions. Excellent advice. I want to thank you both. Again, our guests have been Brian Dulski as the Chief Financial Officer for the Pago Family Businesses and also Greg Steele. He's the Senior Dairy Lending Specialist with Compeer Financial. Uh, we thank them for kind of creating what it means to understand an RNG project and then who needs to be involved and what parts will be working parts and uh, what kind of transitions need to be made and also the dollars and cents or, as we say, the economics and environmental impact of these projects. 
magic. So special thanks always goes out to our producer and editor, that the lady that uh, makes Dairy Stream really roll, and that's Joanna Guza. I thank her for everything she does to make us all sound good. And a special thanks to you for your interest in renewable natural gas projects and the option it provides as both a revenue source and a renewable energy source. It is something that makes us all excited about what's happening in this business we call dairy. I'm Mike Austin. Till we meet again, thanks for being a part of Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us podcast at dairyforward.com.